the idea that balance is even a thing, like as in, hey, it's 50-50, mm -hmm. is not real. Welcome to the Deus Podcast. My name is Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and a Google search bar. Each week, we'll share direct, tangible advice or inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life. Welcome back to the podcast, husband. Well, thank you, wife. I appreciate you having me back on the podcast. Um, it hurts my feelings a little bit that you were the most popular podcast from season one of Deus. It should not hurt your feelings. It should make you proud. <laughs> it does make me proud. I only It only hurts my feelings slightly because... I always want to promote women who are killing it in business, and you just come in with all your your sexy, smart, heroic information, wow. and just and just and just kill it for well, everybody else. Can I give you? Do you need some chapstick? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. This feels important, and you know, today we are talking about how couples who both—it's pink, but it won't be pink on your lips. I promise you. I'm not worried about oh, it. Okay. I just want it to come out of the container. Oh, okay. Um, so today we are talking about how couples who both work manage work and life and family and schedules and all of the things. It's an interesting thing having grown up in a house that had certain gender roles and certain decisions made by parents where a mother stayed home and was a house, uh, you know, like a keeper of the house. Um, a super noble, unbelievable, hardest job, frankly, that I can even think of 100%. thing in the world. And at the beginning of our courtship, right? I mean, when we I, got married, yeah. When we got married, I know your ambition and the drive that you had was such a huge part of what attracted me to you. But it did take a little bit of unlearning some of what mm. I had ascribed as right and wrong mm. in terms of women's roles in the world when it pertains to family. And, you know, 15 years removed from that beginnings of our dating, I'm just, you know, completely in a different mindset mm -hmm. as to how a house ought to work and how couples who both work ought to run their house. But I do think you have to start by at least identifying that you were raised in an environment that probably informs how you think. Mm -hmm. And until you are able to surround yourself with people who maybe have had other backgrounds, it's going to be hard for you to become comfortable with something that diverges from how you yourself were raised. Yes. I think that that is a really awesome perspective for any men who might be listening because you're sort of preaching to your past self. Oh, yeah. I think that's an awesome place to start for us because what's really interesting is that in the beginning of our marriage, there were definitely those roles, we had both grown up with families that looked like that, where, you know, dad worked and mom, for the most part, both of our moms worked, but for the most part, their role was inside the home. Mm -hmm. And we got married and we both worked, not for funsies, but because we had a mortgage to pay. Yeah. So there wasn't an option where, you know, I stayed home, but still... That was the expectation, definitely from you. And I think to me a little bit, like I need to live into this idea that I've got to work all day and also figure out how to get dinner on the table by myself every night by the time you get home. So we were both kind of living into those roles. And I think um, it definitely 
probably the first real fight of our marriage. <laughs> Which is famous. No, you're going to remember this. It wasn't even really a fight, but it was a really good quote. Um, was, do you know where shaving cream comes from? Uh, do you remember this argument? I do. I do. Uh, which was, uh, you know, I, I had felt a little bit like I was kind of taking on a bit more. And I don't know if I was like going grocery shopping for the umpteenth time or whatever it was, but it felt like I was kind of doing more on my own. And I snapped. And to Dave, I was like, do you know where shaving cream comes from? Cows. <laughs> do you <laughs> no. think that little fairies show up in our house and replace your shaving cream every month? No, it is me making sure that it's here. So it was the first real conversation that we had about we need to do this together and and God's honest truth your response was I don't want to clean the house and I don't want to go grocery shopping but I will happily pay for someone to do that for us that that was our I mean and I remember at the time being frustrated like Ugh, you should want it and then I was like wait a minute I also don't want to yeah. clean our house yeah. I also don't want to scrub the toilet so yes let's reconfigure our budget and give up like a movie date night in order to have someone come once a month to clean our house. So we jokingly say a lot that that was one of the best decisions we made in our marriage For sure. as two working people was to re-budget, reallocate our budget to be able to afford a housekeeper. And in the beginning, they came once a month and then we had a little bit more and they came every couple weeks and then they came once a week and they were really just doing that deep clean and... I have been really honest about this, even though people want to punch me in the face every time I say it. We have four children. We both work full-time. We both have pretty intense jobs. We have a nanny that we have had with us for years and years and years. She absolutely runs, oh my gosh, we want to marry her and have her be the She's third She's a part. part of our family. She's a part of our family. And, and prepare your hearts for this, we have a housekeeper. We have a nanny and we have a housekeeper and they are both wonderful and they are an integral part of um, us being able to go to work and our kids being well cared for and our house being well cared for and that is a priority for us. And and it's a help in how we eat well, you know, mm -hmm. not like, ooh, we're having lobster. I mean, like <laughs> we're having balanced meals yeah. and thoughtful snacks not, you know thoughtful mm -hmm. snacks and you know like things that keep us the best version of ourselves at work but also the best version of ourselves at home in part because we've decided that hey as a part of the trade-off of our having chosen to each work mm -hmm. we are going to invest in creating a system that creates the best environment for our kids mm -hmm. the best environment for our marriage the best environment for our family and it's a, you know honestly it's a strange thing because it's it's hard to have people who don't have this, you know, have it, the, the people that haven't made this decision, they might hear this and mm -hmm. say, what in the world? Yeah. I can't believe that yeah. you, and that's okay. Yeah. You are 100% entitled to your perspective and especially to the person who's chosen to stay at home as a mom. Yes. I have mad, so crazy respect, respect for the choice that you've made and how hard it can be and mm -hmm. how much work it can be. And also, by the way, how rewarding it can be sure. to get that kind of quality time with your sure. kids. 
it's just not the thing that we've decided to do. Mm-hmm. I think that it takes all kinds it, of kinds. Right? It takes all <laughs> it takes all kinds of kinds. And what's right for our family is right for our family. Yeah. And what's right for your family is ultimately what's right for your family. We're, you know, we're not going to judge you. We want to come around, love, and support whatever yeah. decision that you've made. And hopefully, you'll choose you not to same. judge. You know, choose yeah. not to judge us. And well, if you do, that's also a thing that is none of my business. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> my thing too is. I want to be honest about what it takes to have careers at this level and travel at this level and um, a tribe at this size and the work that we do. We take that very seriously. I think we both feel really passionate about the idea that this is our calling. Like This is what God put us on this earth to do. And I want to be really honest about what it takes because people send me notes all the time on social media saying, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. How do you do all this by yourself? I'm like, sister. We don't. We don't. Oh yeah. my gosh, we ask for help. We ask for help. We ask for help. And I think that there are, no, I know that there are women listening to this right now who want help, who can afford it, but don't get it because they are worried about what their mother-in-law is going to say, or they're worried about what the other moms at school are going to say, or they're worried about like, sister, brother, like gather around. You need to do what is best for you and what is best for your family and not concern yourself with what everybody thinks about you from the outside in. Yeah. I mean, it also, the calling, let's just be even clearer, and, I, and it's just going to sound a little audacious, but we are on this earth to change it. Yep. Period. Agreed. We are on this earth to High change five. it. High five. <laughs> and changing it requires a community to come around our family mm-hmm. and help support us and how we go into the world to try and change it. Mm -hmm. So I've seen quite a lot lately where celebrity moms, and I'm talking people who have who have companies behind them, not just an actress or a blogger or whatever, but people who have built companies are going on things that like someone's asking them that question, how do you balance it all? How do you do it? And they're like, well, just, you know, I'm super organized or, you know, I just work extra hard. Um, A very big celebrity mom, person did this recently and I wanted to rip my hair out and light it on fire. You do not do it by yourself. Yeah. You don't. You have help. And when you as a person of influence speak to the women in this country or all around the world and you imply that you are operating at this level with this company and these babies and that hair and that body and that you're doing it alone, you make the mom in Ohio feel worthless. You make her think, crap. I didn't even take a shower today and you built a multi-million dollar company by yourself. She's not alone. She has help. And so I just want to speak into, man, we use every tool and trick at our fingertips to help us do this life better for ourselves and for our family. And when we originally were starting a family and originally were deciding on a nanny and help and whatever else it was going to, however else it was going to show up, there were the worries that anyone might have about what it might mean for these children to be raised in community, as Mm -hmm. it were. And one of the things you worry about is, well, if I have a nanny hanging out with a baby at home and I come home, what if the baby wants to stay in the arms of the Mm -hmm. nanny more than she wants to stay in the arms of you know, mommy or daddy. And the reality is it will likely happen every time. And that's just 
fine yep. because kids have an infinite capacity yep. for love. Yep. And the idea of surrounding that child with love all day, love that is as legitimate and authentic as the love that we could create and provide for him or her is the goal. Yeah. You just want to have these kids feeling loved. Loved and cared for, yeah. That's the first point. Sorry. Then the second point is our kids have no context to compare this life that they are living to. Everything that happens in our home is all they have ever known. Mm -hmm. It is full of love and rules and support and boundaries. Mm -hmm. And that is their normal. Mm -hmm. And what's normal for our kids isn't necessarily going to be normal for the kids of people that are listening if they have a different way of doing life. And that's just fine. Yeah. Everyone has a different definition of their normal. I'm really proud of our kids yeah. and how behaved they are and how well they are clean and <laughs> clean, how well they clean up and and how, you know, how social they are and how articulate they are and all the things. And it is a product of what would be seen by a lot of people as a different style sure. of raising. But the the yield, the output that we have from mm -hmm. having had our family in this mm -hmm. less conventional way is great, even if it's different. Yeah. Hey guys, we'll be back in a hot minute with more of this interview. But now, a quick word from a sponsor. Each chapter of Girl, Wash Your Face begins with a specific lie I used to believe that left me feeling overwhelmed, unworthy, or ready to give up. As a working mother, a former foster parent, and a woman who has dealt with the insecurities about my body and relationship, I try and speak with the insight and kindness that would come from a best friend. I want to help you unpack the limiting mindsets that destroy your self-confidence and keep you from moving forward. My book, Girl, Wash Your Face, is available everywhere books are sold, and the Audible version is narrated by me. I hope you'll check it out. If you are heading into the new year with a huge desire and a New Year's resolution to get organized, I have the answer. The Cozy App. This is something that Dave and I discovered, honestly, through trial and error. We really wanted to get our lives together. We really wanted a schedule that he and I could both have to access what the kids were doing on which days, what doctor's appointments we needed to go to, whose birthday party was this Saturday. And honestly, you guys, we tried out about 15 different options before we found Cozy. We love Cozy because we have access to each other's schedules, what the kids are up to, and our nannies on it as well. So we can all communicate who needs to be doing what at what time. If you are a working parent, you have to have this app. And here's the deal, two really cool things. You can even add items to your Cozy list using Amazon Alexa, and it's totally free, you guys. Get the Cozy app. C-O-Z-I from your app store or cozy.com forward slash Rachel. Hey y'all, do me a favor. While you're listening to today's episode, take a screenshot and put it on Instagram or your Insta stories and tag me. I love hearing what you think and seeing what you're up to and it helps the tribe remember to go listen to this week's episode. Thanks so much. I think, um, so I would, I would speak into... The idea of that moment when, especially if you have a baby, 
This happens with every baby. If you have a nanny that's caring for your baby, there will be a moment where you come home from work and you reach for the baby and the baby clings to the nanny. And the very first time this happened to me as a mom, I cried for a hundred million years. I was so upset. And I ended up speaking to another older mother who had been a working mom her whole parenting career. And she was the one who spoke to me like, Rachel, why wouldn't you want your baby to love the person who's taking care of them all day? And it changed my perception. And I knew it happened literally with each subsequent child. So with Noah, I was was waiting. I'm like, there's going to be a day I come home and it happened about three weeks ago. And I reached for her and she wanted to stay with Jojo, our nanny. And I was just like, oh my gosh, your best friend. Jojo is your best friend, of course. Like it didn't, it not even for a second, because I was like, oh, they are just, Jojo loves her so much and she loves Jojo so much. And two seconds later, then she reached for mommy. It didn't change her perception of me. And what I've learned is that the older they get, the more that quality time for us, like I have bonded to each of my children, the older they get. Um, I think I've said this before. I'm not, I love, oh my gosh, I love Noah and I love all of them with their, when they're babies, but I am a better mom for older kids. And it, I've like, I used to beat myself up forever. Guys, I'll be fully transparent. Like I don't, I'm not a, like a, the moms who like want to like rock their baby, for hours they like love being pregnant or they love breastfeeding and like I I'm not I respect it so much but like oh my gosh I'm like can we just can we talk can we read books together can we I just I like an older kid yeah so the older my kids get the closer we become so I don't beat myself up about like not wanting to to be in that space I don't know I'm so freaking happy that Noah and Jojo are best friends. Like, what a blessing. We ask for help, and we use whatever resources are available to us, and we invested in resources to support us over fancy cars, over nice vacations, over... um, We are homebodies, and we would rather be at home than anywhere else in the world. And so we have always put our whatever budget we had to spare, we've always put into our home life. So that has been like having, investing in a house or investing in the people who help us make that house run or having like a really great couch like we, or, or a really good bed. Like we, we saved would up forever for a pool because it was at the house and yep. it was going to be the thing that we did at the house. Mm-hmm. I mean, we barely leave the house yeah. once we're at the yeah. house. So that's where we put our so, budget. Yeah. It's a bit of a trade-off, but a trade-off that, again, made sense for our family. I'd rather have a great, like, comfy bed than a nice car any day of the week. True. Because we, ugh, our beds, we love our bed. I like your mini when it's in sport mode, Yeah, it is. It is a fun car. Um, Okay, so, ooh, I like this. Define your roles. Who is in charge of what? We really, I think we do a really good job of, of splitting pretty evenly. I have said... And we'll continue to say Dave is as much a parent as I am. He is as present in our children's lives. He drops the kids off as much as I do. He takes them to doctor's appointments as much as I do. I think that maybe that's, I don't know. I I don't have a lot of other experience with that of men, especially at your level, a, a huge executive in the film industry who carves out as much time to be present in their lives and doesn't just say like, oh, well, Rachel will 
take them to the doctor's appointment because she's their mom. Yeah. There may have been times earlier in my life where I would have assigned who's going to take care of the kids as a responsibility of the mother. And it has, I'm grateful for the evolution in how we think about gender roles in our house. Mm -hmm. I am as responsible for doing the things that these kids need, be it practices or doctor's appointments or, you know, school Mm -hmm. commitments as you are. And there is a little bit of, hey, I'm going to do Monday and you can do Tuesday and I'll do Wednesday Mm -hmm. and I did the dentist and you Mm -hmm. can do the doctor. And we, you know, it's again, it's as much my responsibility as is yours. And our jobs are not always running at the same exact pace. Mm -hmm. So some of it is, you know, contingent on who's got more stuff at work, whether there's travel that we have to be considerate of or some release. You know, I've got a movie coming out or you've got a book coming out. Those things also dictate who's got to run a little faster with the kids and who can, you know, depend on that person Mm -hmm. to run a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. So, Well, we've talked about this before. We actually have a video about it on YouTube, but we have developed a habit, which has been really great for us, which is every Sunday night we sit down, we open up this joint calendar app and we work through like, okay, Ford has a doctor's appointment on Thursday. Can you take into that? No, I can't. Okay, I'll get it. Who's doing drop off? You have a workout here. People have asked us a lot, um, uh, like, what do you put in the app? The app's called Cozy, by the way. Um, but what do you put in the app? And we're like, literally everything. Yeah. He, Dave's workouts, my workouts, um, any, any, um, any, appointment that the two of us might have that would bleed into between like before 8 a.m. or after 5 p.m. goes in the app. And then we also, this is a, this is a huge deal. If you have babysitters or your mom helps out with the kids or a housekeeper, whatever, they also are, they have access to the app so they can see, oh, hey, you're going to, um, can you pick up the kids from dance class at this time? Because both Dave and I are out of the office. So that has been a really great thing is using a calendar to divide those roles by week. And the meals. I mean, we are assigning on Sunday, we are going to eat this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Mm -hmm. Wednesday. There's a link that Rachel's putting into the app that has the actual recipe. Mm -hmm. We're assigning Mm -hmm. who's making the meal. Sometimes it's Rachel or myself that's making the meal. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the housekeeper that's making the meal. But everyone knows who's doing what. And by pre-planning what we're going to eat, we're also eliminating the chance that we're going to make a bad choice Uh about our food. Totally. And, uh, you know, to the extent that we know what we like and we understand what the kids like, sometimes it's also that... We're making this for the grown-ups yeah. and we're making that for the yeah. kids, but there's no last-minute decisions that mm-hmm. have to be made. We're planning, we're buying all the groceries ahead of time. We're, yeah. you know, again, eliminating the chance to really stray from yeah. trying to eat a little bit healthier, yeah. a lot healthier. Uh, Cozy's awesome too because there's a um, like to-do list and shopping list. So I'll be I'll be honest, like if the boys have a birthday party this weekend, I will put in the to-do list to the nanny, like, hey, when the kids are at school, can you take Noah to Target and get me a gift that's around forty dollars for a seven-year-old boy? Yeah. And I'll come home and it's like wrapped and ready to go. Because uh, honestly, if I just if it if it has to fall on me, we're gonna run out that morning. We're probably gonna get a gift card. So there's a bunch of stuff that we love about it. But that's been a big game changer for us. Is we. Um, started doing that every Sunday and we tested out a bunch of different calendars before we found that one and we've just really appreciated it. So one of the things that I have as a responsibility in our house is finances. You know, like Oh, that's the, true. That the, is that's, your that's thing. That's the one thing that I 
you know, I have a manila envelope that one day if something doesn't work out for me, <laughs> knock like, on wood, Rachel will find out where. Yeah, I know it's how so to pay our like, bills and where our money sits not, and all of that. I'm not but, a grown up woman. I know that. I know it's so like anti feminist of me, but I mean, if Dave dies, I am I'm in trouble. Like no, I can't. You're not in I trouble. don't. I'll There's have a, a manila, manila envelope. envelope. I don't know. There's a nice note I put like, inside that yeah. says, "Sorry, I'm dead." <laughs> I don't know. Not one thing. I think that I probably take on just a little bit more of the planning of things than you do. One hundred percent. So like you know, well, we're gonna get a Christmas tree, or like let's make we're going to Kiki's for the the holiday brunch, and like I'll figure out the breakfast. Like I'm a, that's a little bit more. One hundred percent. Yeah. I am happy to show up. Yep. Usually. I, that's how I feel I, about finances. <laughs> <laughs> happy to be here. Happy to have them. Yes. I don't want to know the BTS of those. Yes. Awesome. Um, I mean, we talk about it all the time on any kind of live stream that is about relationship or any YouTube thing we've done on relationship, but putting our relationship first is definitely a big part of Huge. how we succeed as working humans and, uh, you know, a regular date night is key. a key thing. It's not regular like, hey, once a month, let's make sure we get that date mm -hmm. night in. It's every, every single week. We have a date night Every single tonight. Thursday. We do have a date night tonight. It's Thursday. Yay for date night. Um, and it's, you know, it's uh, Rachel, tell them about pouring into the vase. But like yeah. it's the idea of like we can't be the best versions of ourselves if we aren't starting with making sure that the foundation of our marriage is super, super yeah. strong. Well, I would say so... A couple of thoughts on this. We, um, I don't know, maybe about six months ago, had gone to a conference, which was really super powerful for our marriage. Uh, it was Tony Robbins UPW, if anyone's curious. Um, I had gone to it in November, about a year, uh, a little over a year ago. Um, really felt like it was life-changing, super empowering for me. So I had gone. I came back. I'm on fire. I'm ready to just, like, take on business and family and feeling so encouraged and how did you feel in response to that like you were exposed to a cult <laughs> i think i was you a were, little bit yeah no you were what, what's interesting is i well one i i didn't go because it was a chic team mm -hmm. thing uh, you also weren't, but you I also, interested. But more than yeah. anything, I wasn't interested. I wasn't really in a place where i was excited about growth. Mm -hmm. And Rachel coming back on fire for how much more she was going to grow mm -hmm. was uh, at first I, it was received with a, are you crazy? What in the world are you talking about? Mm -hmm. But then I actually, as she was talking about, you ought to listen to this podcast or you ought to read this book or man, I think this would be so good for you to help you grow. All I was hearing was you are not good the way you are. Mm -hmm. You are, there's a brokenness in how you operate and you have to change to be better, mm. not you should want to change because you will be better because everyone who is anyone is always striving to be a better yes. version of themselves, yes. right? I totally believe the latter yeah. now. Yeah. But at the time, I was I was in a bit of a funk and was struggling a little bit with the idea of even feeling motivated to mm -hmm. grow. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think real quick before you before you carry on there, that's a that's a, a good piece of insight. So many people will ask us when we do live streams together, often it's women watching, and they'll ask, how do I get my husband to change? And we always say, if you want to change someone, change yourself. If you actively change yourself and you're growing, you're not, you're not needling them, you're not harassing them, you're not like, oh, Steve, you should do this too. You're just over here being your best self and striving and whatever. 
that person can't help but notice. And I think that's what happened with us was in the past, if we're honest, we've we've both had some codependence ten codependent tendencies. And in the past, I may have come back from that conference super inspired and it would have I would have been able to recognize that it bothered you. And it was the first time I think in our relationship that it bothered you, but I didn't stop. Yeah. And the actual powerful thing that happened was I think that got your attention. Um, I hope that it was that I just I it didn't go away. Sometimes you experience something like that and then three weeks later you're over it. And I didn't the momentum didn't go away. Wow, I mean it got my att- my attention, but what got my attention most was your willingness to, contrary to what you just said in the previous parts of our life, instead of in the past where there maybe would have been an impulse to not push because ooh, it could maybe make me upset or feel uncomfortable or whatever it might be, you were like, I know what this is best. That I know that this is best for me and I know that this is best for you. So I'm going to wade into a harder conversation that's about challenging you. First by my actions, I'm going to challenge you by not giving in to your insecurity about my growing mm-hmm. or my growth maybe mm-hmm. suggesting to you that you aren't perfect mm-hmm. just as you are. Mm-hmm. But that separately, you had a hard conversation with me. We had hard mm-hmm. conversations as you were experiencing the fruit of chasing growth. You came and had a conversation about how I could make one of two choices, Mm -hmm. continue to be satisfied with Mm -hmm. not growing Mm -hmm. and live in a status quo kind of life. And in six months or in one year or in five years, be at the same place Mm -hmm. then as I am now. And between now and then, you would have continued to grow, 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 grow. And all that would have done is created distance between us. Yes. And, And in some ways... The, the idea of there being distance between us was a motivator as much as seeing in real time the impact of your mm-hmm. feeling fulfilled for having chased and, mm-hmm. and being you know challenged. I want to unpack that conversation. So we I had gone to this I had gone to this conference. I was feeling really inspired. You were having you know those the feelings that you were having and we're probably nine months removed from me going to the conference. And I was honestly feeling frustrated and getting close to resentful is, is, is the truth. But I didn't want to tell Dave, I'm feeling frustrated because you're not growing because that sounds so mean. Like how can you just demand someone has the desire to grow or change? So I did what is the worst thing I think you can do in marriage or partnerships in work is um, say nothing. So say nothing and chew on your resentment and get really frustrated. Um, and I, it just kept getting worse. Those, those feelings grow and fester. And then they, they come out in ways they're not supposed to. Like you're, you know, you know, it's like, can you hand me the mustard? You're like, why do you need the mustard? Like you, <laughs> it's, it comes out in a totally inappropriate way because you're not processing. And that's hard because it's, it's like I know what I would hope for from our marriage and our relationship, but I also love you so much and I don't want to hurt your feelings. And I knew that it would hurt your feelings. Yeah. So um, I finally just got to a place where I'm like, you, this is not, this is super unhealthy on my part to bottle it all up. Um, there's the old saying, um, to be unclear is to be unkind. 
So it's usually used for work, but it's it, it works in marriage. Like if you are frustrated with your partner, but you're not telling them why, and not in a mean way, but in a helpful, you know, whatever. So also though, I think if there's any learning too, and like I think we're both better about it in the aftermath of confronting something that was hard. There were some tears, mostly for me, about <laughs> having to kind of look in the mirror at this and and you know push myself even in a season where I didn't feel like pushing myself Mm -hmm. if we'd had some more honest conversations at the beginning Mm -hmm. of this when it wasn't a problem that had become because of the silence a bigger thing Mm -hmm. it would have probably been easier for us to traverse I think in our minds we sometimes make anything at the beginning seem like it is bigger than it ultimately is and if there's anything in this it would have been hey if if we could have just had more direct, honest, open conversation about how we're feeling, it may not have acted as a catalyst immediately, but mm-hmm. at least would have taken some of the poison out of what ended up being sure. a harder conversation when nine months had gone by sure. and mustard was creating sure. a, a bad Yeah, you know, and I think and I want to, um, I'm going to say my sort of tangible things, and I would love for you to offer that too, because my hope with this podcast is always that we are offering tangible wisdom. So I'll tell you the steps that I took to get the courage to have that conversation with Dave. And I would love if you could then give them the steps that you, after that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just say too, as you're listening to this, cause I know we have a predominantly female audience screenshot that you're listening to this podcast and put it up on your Instagram today. Tag me at Miss Rachel Hollis, tag Dave, Mr. Dave Hollis. Um, tell us that you're up to, and also send this to your partner. If you think that this is this wisdom is valuable or if you hear some of yourself in these conversations or your relationship in these conversations, man, send it to your partner today. It might be the catalyst that you need to have this hard conversation. Yeah, and for anyone <clears throat> guy-wise who ends up listening to this, uh, it's okay to have feelings. It's okay to have conversation. <laughs> it's okay to become vulnerable with your spouse. It's okay to confess to having hard times. It's okay... I know, to cry if you're feeling emotional, mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. And the, the the sooner that you can become comfortable being authentic and vulnerable with your spouse, the sooner that you're gonna have a relationship that you are on fire for. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not and it's not easy. It's not easy in part because society and our parents maybe, or our fathers or our whatever, uh, you know, just haven't necessarily always given a signal that it's okay to be those things. I promise you, if you take a leap, your spouse, this person that you are in relation with, is going to love mm-hmm. it. Um, so do it. Yeah. So um, I was feeling all these things. I didn't want to say anything. And I honestly um, knew that I needed to have the conversation. So I started to ask myself, like, what is the outcome that I would hope for from this? Because I think with anything, business or life, if you imagine the outcome or the results that you want, you'll better frame the conversation. So I started to think about the outcome. I prayed about it a lot. Like, Lord, please give me the right language and the right words and let me come at this from um, a humble place. Because I think a conversation like this could really easily, whether it had been me saying it to you or you saying it to me, can really easily make the other person defensive. For sure. Uh, So I tried to be very humble about it. I also uncharacteristically, I remember I talked really slowly and I think it was 
it was such a breakthrough for us because many times in those situations you can become defensive. Yes. You are the greatest debater I've ever met in my entire life. You're like such a good, you could, Dave will argue you to the end of the world. And I tend to shut down in those situations because I, I hate confrontation. So at the beginning, I think I said something like, please, 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 like try and hear me and and fight the urge. And you were so open, even when it was hard, to just receiving it and processing instead of jumping to, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. I think anyone who, well, anyone who's going to have a person that they care most about in the world tell them something that is a is, is a criticism mm -hmm. of them. The first the first response, just human nature wise, is defense. Uh -huh. no, 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 but 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 yeah. If if though, and I think the the credit that you deserve in having had this conversation in this way was, it was all approached with a with an eye to my best interest, mm -hmm. our relationship's best interest, our marriage's best interest, our children's best interest. All of it was, I love you enough to have a hard conversation mm -hmm. with you. And it's harder than, I mean, you still can, trust me, if you, as a listener, thinking about having a conversation that's tough uh, for your spouse, they're going to have to push through, mm -hmm. first, the defensiveness. Second, you know, there's probably if they're going to be totally you know if they're going to totally admit it like i was not proud necessarily of some of what i'd let happen in life i'd you know some of the coping mechanisms mm -hmm. of being a little more frustrated about some of the stuff that was happening generally in mm -hmm. life we're showing up in having a little more to drink than I'd like, having a little less enthusiasm about some of the social stuff that we were doing, mm -hmm. not being the best version of a dad that mm -hmm. I'd want to be. Mm -hmm. And when you have someone who cares about you, who can put a mirror up and show you those mm -hmm. things, it's hard to have mm -hmm. to look them look at them. Mm -hmm. I mean, the word shame is a super loaded word, but you know, like there is yeah. some shame yeah. in having to confront not being the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So where you were trying to cast what you'd hope the best outcome could be, I actually, interestingly, ended up going down a little bit of a different path, which was casting the, if I don't make change, mm -hmm. what does my life look like yeah. if Leverage. I, right? Like what what does my life look, look like if I don't take a dramatic step mm -hmm. in trying to be a better version of myself. Yeah. And it, here's the thing, heads up, uh, we're both great yeah. as we are. We're going to be greater because of choosing to every single day try to be a better version of ourselves. Uh, and if I had just stayed in the kind of spot that I was, I still feel like, you know, hey, on balance, it'd be a pretty good yeah. version of humans. Yeah. But... <laughs> It wouldn't be great. Yeah. It wouldn't be extraordinary. Yeah. It wouldn't be yeah. uh, the best version. And that idea that, like, I mean, I've, my kids will ask, like, we'll go out to the hot tub. It's ask any question you want kind of thing. My kids will always ask, what What's your biggest fear? And they want to hear, like, big spiders. Yeah. They want to hear, like, Godzilla's real. Yeah. And I have said, and they don't understand it yet, not living up to my potential. Yeah. Right? Because 
to whom much is given, much is expected. Amen. It's written on the wall of our living room. I, I know that we're on this earth to change it. I know that we're going to do even greater things than we have already done. Mm-hmm. And when you, you were you know, strong enough to come and have a conversation with me about having a life that actually accommodated living fully into my potential... Mm-hmm. It struck such a chord because that's the thing I fear the mm-hmm, most, mm-hmm. that God's given me so many gifts mm-hmm. and that I might waste them because yeah. of being in a funk. Yeah. And man, that was so motivating yeah. that I was like, all right, yeah. I'm sorry for having not been the best version mm-hmm. of myself for the last however long it's been. I want to commit today to being better. Let's do it together. Yeah. And and the accountability in you know each other is, sure. has been a great thing, but... Um, the well, model, the model that you know Rachel was during the time leading up to the conversation, was also great because it was so easy to see the impact of reaching for better, and the impact that that was, ha- mm-hmm. you know, the impact of reaching for better was having this extraordinary effect on just who you were and your outlook and your optimism and your drive to do and be more for the tribe and the drive and to, to do and be more for the people at Chic. So, well, I good think um, uh, part of it too um, is. The accountability that can exist within a within a healthy relationship. So I remember that when I told you all of that stuff that night, when we had that conversation, I remember that your first instinct was it was it was painful for you that we would even have to have the conversation. And I reminded you about some conversations we'd had over the course of our marriage where you had to confront me with some truths that were really hard. I had a, a, a few years, and this is actually in the book, Girl, Wash Your Face, comes out in February. But um, that was a shameless plug, and I don't even it's care. It's not shameless. <laughs> it's just a plug. And Girl, Wash Your Face is going to change the lives of every single person who looks at it. Thank so you, babe. you're welcome. Hashtag um, you're welcome. Uh, but I had um, quite a few years when our kids were younger where I was a workaholic. And, and not in a flippant way, like in a actually work until you make yourself sick, don't show up for your family, don't show up for your marriage. And we had had, you had had to confront me with those truths that were very hard for me to swallow as a, a young mom. Like, hey, you're not showing up for your kids in the way that you would want to because it's easier to be at work than it is to be here. And I that conversation was devastating to me, but it helped me become a better version. It helped, It held a mirror up to me. So I was able to that night remind you like, babe, I know this is hard, but remember how many times you've done this for me. And I think that that's sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what we do. It was a massive help because it, in that moment, I felt like I'd failed in some ways. And what you realize is everyone fails in some ways Mm -hmm. that there are times when, you know, if, especially if you have a healthy relationship, there are going to be times when one person is pulling the other one up the ladder and then there's going to be another time when that other person is pulling the person up the ladder. Uh, you know, the balance, balance in life, but balance in a marriage, it's a little bit of an illusion, yeah. right? There's always, there are always going to be times in this work-life balance conversation where work takes a priority to your personal mm-hmm. life and where other times where your personal life can take a priority to work. Same thing in mm-hmm. terms of who's, you know, pulling or leading or modeling or inspiring you 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 want to be in a place where hey if i have a season where it's not ideal i can depend on the person i'm with Mm -hmm. to help get me through it and vice versa her rachel bringing that up was a huge help in the midst of feeling you know 
it, it, yeah. feeling the, the feeling the feelings of having to look in the mirror of like, oh yeah, look, I'm not alone in this marriage yeah. for having had a time when I needed to have somebody yeah. say something. Which well, is so really, so really we great. we have this conversation. It was really good. And then we decided to go to UPW together. UPW is Tony Robbins Conference, Unleash the Power Within. It was a conference I had gone to nine months before and really loved. And that was kind of the solution in our minds was like, why don't you come and see? And I think that you maybe walked into that weekend nervous. I walked into that weekend skeptical. Yeah. More than anything, because uh, it just seemed crazy ish yeah. <laughs> it um, does if you guys look up any yeah. footage of him it seemed it, it here's the thing it, it seemed crazy and in a weird way and i don't know if this is like a masculinity thing or something but like the idea of needing to go to somebody to help you be a better version of you meant that you couldn't be the better version on your own mm-hmm. but also uh and i don't ju- think it was just him it was any motivation oh yeah no it was just generally yeah. like just the self-help space generally was a little bit of an affront to what had for me in life I I mean I'm gosh I just feel so much blessing for having always had things kind of go my way Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be honest Mm -hmm. and the idea that I now needed uh, help not just from my wife but from a giant (laughs) (laughs) seemed um, seemed odd but uh, on the back end of that conversation I committed to going 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't want to, even mm-hmm. though... Go all I, in. Go all yep. in. I That's went, what I, we say uh, right. at the start of Rise. I, all we ask is that you go all yeah. in. Yeah, And it's interesting, leave. as a leader, I sit in rooms where we're doing, not trust falls, but HR kinds of things, mm-hmm. where it's a leadership, you know, like mo- module or some kind of mentoring thing. And I always will say, you will get out of this what you put into it. Mm-hmm. You will get out of this what you put into it. Give your all. You will get so much. Mm-hmm. And here... I just honestly, I didn't feel like that was the thing I wanted to do. But on the back end of this, it was like, look, if I'm going to try and really reach for better, then I got to try and go all in. Mm -hmm. And I was just blown away Mm -hmm. by how powerful going to something that was about personal growth ended up being when I gave as much as I did. I mean, it was kind of like going to therapy for 40 hours, (laughs) um, which by the way, I'm a huge fan of therapy. If anyone is listening and Mm -hmm. doesn't yet go to or have someone that they speak to, uh, man, we can talk about that separately. All the therapy. Yeah. Therapy is an awesome thing, especially for you guys who think therapy isn't for guys. Therapy. Go. Yep. Money back guarantee for me. Nope. nope not really. Not really. But <laughs> well, um, so we, we went to this conference. It was incredible for the both of us. Um, but what came out of it was, and we had always, you know, we had a date night and we always committed to a great marriage and we're best friends and all those things. But we left that conference and we were like, we don't want a good marriage. We don't even want a great marriage. We want an exceptional marriage marriage and how could we live our lives in order to have an exceptional marriage um and i'll tell you just just even asking that question then shifts things in your life so i make um every single day i write i've talked about this before but every single day i write like my 15 goals my current goals for my life and they're big and grandiose and crazy and i write them as if they've already happened and one of the goals that i write every single day is i am an exceptional mom. And the next one is I am an exceptional wife. And often when I'm writing that, then I will ask my question, what can I do right now to make this true? 
So like when you get a text that is in the middle of the day that's telling you how sexy you are, how much I love you, or how much I appreciate something, it's usually because I've just written that sentence and I'm asking myself, how, do, how can I follow this up with action? Yeah. And in my goals, part of it is the language that I'm using in the goal setting. It's a present tense mind hack, if you will. Uh, you know, I'm in sick physical shape, you know, mm -hmm. is a, you know, hey, I just, my brain thinks that because I say it over and over. It's part of what motivates me to be in the gym five or six days a week. Yeah, you don't but, say, I want to get in shape. That creates blockades in your mind. You say, I am in shape, and your mind's like, okay, I, is that the truth? Or I'll figure out how to get you there. Yeah, and so the language in our marriage is, I pursue my wife. Mm -hmm. And the pursue word is a trigger then for what am I doing to actually pursue my wife? Mm -hmm. If it's about our dates or if it's about the texts in the daytime mm -hmm. or a quick phone call or whatever mm -hmm. it might be, if, if I say that every morning, if I write that down every morning and I don't act on it, well, what, what's, what good is it? Mm -hmm. So it actually acts as a bit of a trigger and is part of, again, this pursuit of an exceptional marriage. So to wrap up this little section, because we went off on a pretty hard tangent here, uh, how do you change someone else? How do you change your marriage? Change yourself. You change yourself. That's right. High five. High five. Uh, okay, back on this guy, and we'll kind of wrap this up. One thing we haven't talked about for, uh, I think we're both pretty passionate about this idea. We both work, like how are we successful in this space? We need to talk about Enneagram. Mm. Um, and we sound like crazy people when we say this, unless you're listening and you've already done your Enneagram, in which case you're like, oh, I don't know a single person who's done the Enneagram test and hasn't been like, holy crap. So little, like, if you don't know what it is, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, Enneagram, you can Google, like, free Enneagram test. It's a quiz you take. It's, like, 12 minutes long. It divides personality types up by nine numbers. And this has been around since, like, ancient Greece. It's really, really old. You want to look it up? Ancient Greece? Look it up. Wow. Mm -hmm. The Olympics and Enneagram. Yep. Okay. Look it up. So it's been around forever. And each personality type is divided by number. And when you do your test and you read what your number is, you're, it's will startle you. You're like, holy crap. I didn't. I thought that that stuff, I thought I was this way because of my family of origin. But I didn't know that other people had similar families of origin. So we had done our Enneagram number. And then this is the key. There's a thing where you can see how your Enneagram number works and doesn't work with your partner. And that was like reading the diary of our marriage. Yeah. It was so crazy. Yeah. So I do think that that's something that has been really helpful is reading about your partner in that way. So I'm a three. I'm a nine. Uh, so I'm a, a three is an achiever, and nobody is surprised by this if you know me. Dave is nine, which is the peacekeeper. Mm -hmm. So he wants everyone to be everyone to be okay. We're all gonna we're do whatever's possible to make everybody okay. Um, these two work really well together, but then there can also be some pretty strong resentment that brews between a three and a nine because a three as an achiever needs your attention. And a nine can start to resent how much attention the three needs all of the time. The three perceives that as, you don't love me anymore. Nine's like, ugh, I just want five minutes. And we've, oh my gosh, we've seen this pop up in our marriage over and over and yep. over. Um, so that has been really helpful kind of understanding why or just giving us some tools to go like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. I think um, 
this isn't really for like working couples. I think this is just for any relationship. I have to really fight an instinct to keep the things that I'm thinking inside. Like, so for, for instance, that hard conversation that we had about making change, my instinct is lock it down, shove it down. Don't talk about this. Don't say anything. Don't, you know, cause I'm non, I don't want, I'm non-confrontational. Right. Yeah. Um, and every single time that I just will force myself to have a conversation, even if we've got to go through some, some arguments or some whatever to get to the other side of it, it always comes out better. Yeah. The and my, worst. By the way, I, it's the same thing on my side because my instinct as a peacekeeper mm-hmm. is to tell Rachel what she wants to hear, uh-huh. which when it isn't what I actually mm-hmm. feel... Uh-huh creates the resentment Mm -hmm. inside of me and again every time i push against and say hey this is how i actually feel it creates a short-term kerfuffle Mm -hmm. a (laughs) short-term a kerfuffle is kerfuffle a word i don't it is now it's it creates a short-term you know moment of you know maybe making her feel something that is about insecurity or Mm -hmm. or why Mm -hmm. why why but Mm -hmm. it's Again, usually better yeah. in the long run because it, it's a it's again one of these things where like it can start as a very small thing mm-hmm. and then three months goes by mm-hmm. and she asks me where the hangers are and I'm like hangers. <laughs> well, I think um, for me, I don't ever actually know about hangers. Yeah, no, for me, um, I get mad, but I'm mad because my feelings are hurt and it is just seen as mad. And I don't want to tell you why my feelings are hurt because that feels um, like very vulnerable to say like, well, it felt like this. I, a recent conversation, I think that you don't mind us telling this no. story. Um, <laughs> this is so dumb. And I can see how dumb it is in retrospect, but at the time it really hurt my feelings. People listening to this are just going to be like, you are a princess. You need to go hide somewhere. Um, so we had a babysitter on a Sunday afternoon and – I was really excited to have a babysitter. I wanted to go, like, let's go get coffee or let's go get lunch or let's go get whatever. And so I had said to Dave, hey, do you want to go get coffee or lunch or whatever? And he hesitated. And he was like, um, could we – because he was watching football and he was organizing his closet. It was like a big project. He had, like, all this stuff pulled out of the closet, whatever. And he hesitated. He was like, well, could we, I mean, I'm watching like whatever. And like, he just, I could tell he didn't want to go get coffee with me. And as a human being, of course, like you are just allowed to just want to watch football and like organize your closet or whatever. And it's, it seems insane to say like, it felt like massive rejection to me because I want to go get coffee with you at any moment, at any time, three o'clock in the morning, you're like, you want to go hang out with me and talk for nine hours. It's such a woman thing, by the way. Um, I'm in. So when he hesitated and then he was like, no, I'll go, I'll go. But I knew it wasn't what he really wanted. It really, really hurt my feelings. Um, and it sounds silly, but we all have triggers. And a trigger for me is um, like, nobody wants to Nobody loves me. Nobody wants coffee with me. Nobody wants coffee with me. Like, no, he doesn't want to. He's, you're my person. You're my best friend. And it was like, oh, he, it just, it was a spiral, right? I manifest that with anger. Like, I manifest that with like 
fine. I'll go get my own coffee by myself. I'll enjoy it. Rachel put I on never... her running stuff. I did. She put on her headphones. She went to the Rose Bowl and she ran. I ran real And hard. I was like, I got my entire closet is on the ground. No, I have a computer I'm, up with my in, fantasy football. You're living I have your best a TV life. playing. You're living this is a day life. that I was planning. Dang it. But of course, my impulse, again, as a peacekeeper was... Let I'll me throw all of my things in a fire pit. <laughs> Let's go to get some coffee. <laughs> no, but it but but it seems so silly to say that as an argument that happened in retrospect, but that is my own insecurity bleeding through. And instead of just saying, I mean, we've been together 14 years, instead of just saying, "Hey, I just wanted to hang out with you and like it, the response hurt my feelings," so that Dave could be like, well, dude, I was doing this. It's not about not wanting to hang out with you. I was just in the middle of something. Um, I just shove it down nice and tight and de- whatever. And then it became a whole thing. And we had to like work through and I was crying. And it took a few days yeah. for me to get over. And it was my thing to get over. It wasn't yours. But it took a few days for me to like decide that you do actually love me. What's interesting though, because <laughs> this is coming I can be out of- very dramatic. But this is coming out of the conversation about Enneagram. So mm-hmm. if you know that the three yes. has these things yes. as a nine, yes. before your nine peacekeeping self comes in to try and fix it and mm-hmm. then resents having to completely redo their day to make the, the three yes. feel better, you can take a step back and say- all right, this is a part of the fabric of who this person is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the, the, the bottom line is, the more that you can understand why you are the way you are, why your spouse is the way they are, or your friend, yeah. or your boss, yeah. or your whoever it might be, yeah. the more likely that you're going to be able to show up in a way that acknowledges how they are in a way that best creates a connection that you know keeps you who you are acknowledges mm-hmm. who they are, um, not knowing who they are, how they are, wh- how they're wired, mm-hmm. you're going to get it right some of the time, yeah. but man, you're going to stumble a lot more than you necessarily need to. So do the test yeah. and understand yeah. how your handshake you know, can work best yeah. because man, it, once you do, it, it really helps. So what do we said? We said um, getting help, asking for help, super important. Being on the same level in terms of who does what or, or having really clear conversations about dividing and conquering so that you're both contributing in different ways. It is super unhealthy for a relationship for one partner to be carrying more of the weight than the other. I don't I don't care if, you know, your if your wife or your husband is drowning. Either uh, what would typically happen in gender roles is like your wife is drowning with the weight of carrying all that's at home or your husband is drowning under having to provide, be the only provider for the family. If one partner is drowning, it's going to sink the whole ship. Yeah. This is not healthy. So being on the same level, uh, communicating a lot, keeping that calendar handy and ready and, and talking to each other all the time. Being really intentional about having a great relationship, having date nights, having sex. There, we said it. We're big, big proponents of having sex with each other. Pretty weak uh, high five, but yes. What'd you say? Pretty weak high five. I know. Well, I just yeah. didn't want to mess up the audio. Good work. <laughs> um, and trying, if it's not Enneagram, it's the disc test or um, the Myers-Briggs or whatever, but just trying to understand where your partner is coming from. Uh 
years ago, I heard this saying, at a, uh, the pastor said it at a wedding, and I've always loved it. He said, grace is giving someone the opposite of what they deserve. And I think that that is so real in marriage. There are so many opportunities to give someone the opposite of what they deserve in that moment. Like as a human, you're allowed to clean out your closet. But as a as a partner, you could go, hey, if I just change my language here a little bit, it'll speak into that insecurity that she has and I'll accomplish the thing that I want to do. I don't have to give her this, but I'm going to because I want to give her grace and I want to love on her and take care of her. So those are our tips. Do you have anything else? I mean, I we, we like I, I just scratched the surface of the very first sentence. This episode will focus on what it means to have work-life balance. The, the 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 illusion of balance is the thing I think that we have to also maybe just spend two seconds on because I get the question a lot. How do you do it mm-hmm. all? You're an executive and you are really available to your family and you have date nights every mm-hmm. week and on and on and on and on. And the idea that, and I'm, I guess I did talk about this in the podcast from last year, but the idea that balance is even a thing, like as in, hey, it's 50-50, mm-hmm. is not real. Mm-hmm. The, the, the times when things get more hectic at work mean that you, it will just come at the expense of your availability mm-hmm. at home. And the times when work can accommodate, you're going to be more available at the house with your wife, mm-hmm. with your kids. But you have to create some carve out absolute can't compromise it kind mm-hmm. of space. I mean, if you're out of the country, okay, yeah. maybe you can't get a date night yeah. that, that day. But we're so consistent about date night. Mm-hmm. We are so consistent about how our kids are dropped off from school or how mm-hmm. we participate in being there for sports, mm-hmm. whatever else it might be. Make a list of the things that are absolutely can't touch mm-hmm. them and then give yourself the grace of knowing that when things get hectic and busy, mm-hmm. you will not as a family get to sit around a dinner table every single night and that is okay. Yeah. And when the times at work afford it, man, take off at five yeah. or 430 yeah. or whatever it yeah. might be. Technology affords yes. so many opportunities like to be a satellite, work from the house. Yeah. Just get home and have some extra time if your you know, uh, schedule is something that can accommodate yeah. it. But there is no such thing as real balance. Well, I also, the older that I get, the more I believe that if you feel out of balance with work and life, it's because you're unhappy in one or both of the areas. So uh, work... Work-life balance feels out of balance when you don't like your job. I freaking love what I do. I mean, we we both are really happy in our careers. Um, I don't know why I like winked at you. Uh, (laughs) We're both really happy in our careers and the things that we get to pursue and the work that we get to do. So it never feels out of balance to me because I love being at home and I love being here. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, and they bleed into each other all the time. The kids will come by the office or I will, you know, after we got the kids in bed last night, I was working on a marketing plan for the book. Like it just, it all feels fun. It all, I'm great. I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed. I live in a state of gratitude. It doesn't feel unbalanced. It feels like, how can I even handle all of these good things? Because that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. So I feel like if you're feeling unbalanced, you need to have a conversation with yourself. Am I in the wrong career? Do I need to get my home in order? Do I need to do some stuff to help me get support in this space? Or are both of these things actually great and I just need to be starting my day and living my day in a space of gratitude? Different mindset, yeah. Yeah. Man. 
Good point. You're the best. Good work. You're the best too, honey. I love you. I love you more. Thanks for uh, chatting with me. 10-4, good buddy. We will be back with another episode next week. In the meantime, if you have a moment and you can write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that is life to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, you can check out deuspodcast.com or stalk me on every form of social media. I am Miss Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Today's iTunes review is from Jeanette410310. I don't know if we need the whole name, but golly, let's include it. I'm a huge, huge podcast fan, and this one makes me so happy. One more thing to look forward to other than your morning Facebook live chats. Hey, Jeanette, thank you so much for the review. And guys, if you want to be the review of the week, make sure you head over to iTunes and tell everyone what you think. Unless you think this podcast is terrible, in which case, keep that to yourself. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week.